Hello, welcome to the RPS podcast. Um, we are joined today by Professor Gino Martini, who's the RPS Chief Scientist. Welcome, Gino. Could you tell us firstly about your role at the RPS and why we have a Chief Scientist? Good afternoon, uh, Neil. So the, the, the Chief Scientist role really is to make sure that pharmacy and pharmacists and our members are kept up to speed with the latest innovations in medicines, medicines discovery, medicines development and drug delivery. So that's one of the major reasons for my role. Also, it's to advise uh, assembly and the various boards of current issues that may affect clinical judgment or scientific judgment about how medicines are used uh, and, dare I say, unfortunately, abused in, in, uh, in community. Excellent. So we're going to talk about those issues or current issues, a few of those today, aren't we? So can you tell us a bit about what you think our listeners are going to get out of today's podcast? Well, I hope today and for future uh, podcasts, you'll find something of, of interest, something you didn't know before, how exciting medicines have evolved uh, but more importantly, how quickly things are changing. Things that used to take 20, 30 years are now taking five years. And I think it's that rate of change of pace uh, is the enthusiasm I hope to convey to, to our listeners. And this podcast is very much for every pharmacist in every role, whether they work in the industry or perhaps in community pharmacy or in hospitals, really yeah. something for everyone. Very important. I mean, so my background, I mean, I was a community pharmacist. I, I then worked in the industry for nearly 20 years. I then am as an academic pharmacist. And now I work in, in the professional sector. So when I talk about pharmacists and pharmacy, I'm talking about everybody. Whether you're working in industry or community, DHL, wherever, yeah, I'm talking about every pharmacist in their current day job. Excellent. Well, let's get into some of those current issues. And um, one of the things that's happened recently, obviously, is the NHS has launched its new long-term plan. Mm-hmm. And it's fair to say there's um, quite a lot of science in that in mm-hmm. terms of what we're planning to do in the future. Do you want to give us a a sense of what pharmacists should be thinking about in terms of the, the future and, and how that links into the NHS long-term plan? Well, the, the NHS long-term plan um, is something I really strongly support. Um, I'll give you an example of this. My, my father, unfortunately, passed away three, four years ago. He was a very bad diabetic. He lost his leg, and within a year of losing his leg, he died due to sepsis. That is diabetes was a preventable disease. The other day, I walked into Tesco, and, uh, and I saw a birthday card for somebody who's going to be 100 years of age. Okay? So we now have a problem. We, we have a casualty-based healthcare system. If you get sick, we treat you. Okay? But if people live into 100 years of age, so it's one in three women, one in four men, you know, unfortunately, we're going to get sicker for longer. The key is to live longer, healthier. And that's the role which I think pharmacists can play a, a, a great role and they can actually help intervene, prevent disease getting worse by providing good expert knowledge and support when patients go and see them in, in, in the pharmacy. Why? Because we're accessible. Why? Because we're medicine experts. And, and so those two things together and our accessibility, I believe, is ripe for us to play a prominent role in the long-term plan. And the long-term plan was based very much on prevention. That's where we need to be, prevention. Not reaction, but prevention. And so, to me, with the uh, input of diagnostics, you know, as well, it is the holy trinity where we can actually treat people before they get sick too long and, uh, and have a horrible way of living their later years in life. Fair to say, again, that those sort of demographic changes are universal across the whole of Great Britain, aren't they? Whether in Scotland, Wales or England... Those population changes are happening everywhere. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm of an age where I, you know, my father's mother had lost children very young in life due to infections, for example. You know, those days are long gone. Life expectancy have, have increased quite dramatically. So, but, but then we have new disorders, you know, like Alzheimer's, like dementia, you know, like cancers. 
And so therefore, you know, what's happening here, we're dealing more with chronic disease that requires specialised medicines and specialised care. Let's turn to one of the innovations that's really starting to make a difference to patient care. And it's something I remember when I was a long time ago now, but at university was talked about this idea that we can now personalise treatments um, mm. according to both the patients and also their uh, illness as well. And I, I know it's something that we're starting to see really ramp up in terms of the pace of change. You want to tell us a little bit about personalised medicines? And well, well, as you know, I'm chief scientist. I'm also, um, uh, I lead the, the museum here at the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. And I remember when I first called as a pharmacist in Liverpool, Smithdown Road, and on my first day walking into the counter as manager of the store and pharmacist, uh, I was getting, uh, I think, five ointments that were all made to a special recipe for five different patients. That was true personalisation, yeah? Well, I didn't realise there was a skin clinic around, around the corner. And of course, the pharmacist was the personalised medicine maker. Was, was he not or she not? Of course, we kind of lost those skills over the years. But oh my gosh, do we need them back again? Because medicines have to be delivered in a personalised way. So let me just give you an example. I'll test you right now. So if I was to go into an Audi garage today and buy an Audi A3, how many permutations do you think Audi could supply me of that Audi A3? I'm guessing quite a lot. Have a guess. I'm going to say 200. What have I said to you? 836,000 variations <laughs> Whoa, okay. that they could supply from the factory to your doorstep at home. And that's the reality. Yeah. But you know what? You know, in the pharmaceutical industry, could not do that. Mm. You know, they could not supply that degree of specialisation and permutation for that patient. If the car industry can do it, why can't we? And I think what we need to do is to go back to a situation where we as pharmacists could provide personalisation. So it's a really big issue for me. Now, the days of going back to compound dispensing probably have gone because of issues of the past, but there are advances in 3D printing now. Now, 3D printing 20 years ago was nigh on impossible. It was very difficult. But now, 16 years on, you know, there's a 3D printed tablet that was uh, launched in the United States. And I think 3D printing will allow us to do combinations of different drugs into a single tablet and, and, and could be found in a pharmacy, whether it's a community pharmacy, maybe not, but maybe into, in a hospital or a large wholesaler distribution system, what have you, is certainly feasible. And that to me is really, really interesting. So that's an example of personalization I think we, we should be aiming for. And then, of course, this has been a paradigm shift of recent years and really exciting situation to be in. And that is, of course, the delivery of what we call the, the living drug. Now, what, what we also call CAR-T therapy, chimeric antigen receptor therapy. Now, if you told me five years ago that pharmacists would be harvesting white blood cells from patients, then uh, making sure they can be re-engineered by having uh, this receptor inserted into the white blood cell. Then those cells grow and then reinfuse back into the patient. So those cells now recognize the, the, the cancer that the child, in this case, uh, is, is suffering like leukemia. I would not have believed you, but that's exactly what is happening right now. Now, CAR-T therapy is not for the faint-hearted because when you re-engineer those white T-cells and reinfuse back into the patient, the body could recognise those as foreign molecules because they've been re-engineered and release what we call a cytokine storm, okay? That's a massive anaphylactic reaction which could kill uh, the child. So before you do that, we then have to, you know, make sure the child has been given some immunosuppressive medicine and therefore, you know, when the infusion happens, they've got some degree of control. That's complicated. So we're, we're harvesting white blood cells, we're getting manipulated, we're growing them, we're then having to get the patient, you know, on immunotherapy and then effectively infuse those 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 engineered cells. 
it's really complicated, right? And the boundaries between the industry and, and the pharmacist and the hospital have all been blurred. But you know what? When those re-engineered cells go into that blood system and kill those cancer cells, that child is cured, right? So we now moved from solid, small molecules to living drugs, and it's just unbelievable. And pharmacists are playing a critical role. And it's one of my biggest learning points of last year, how critical pharmacists are in delivering that service. And just to be clear, this is, this is something that's happening now in the UK? This isn't... It's happening now. It's actually... Happening now. We've had some fantastic results uh, in a number of hospitals in and around the UK where young children have been cured of uh, resistant cancer. Amazing. And do you see the, the pace of change increasing in that area in personalisation? Well, so personalisation is here to stay and will yeah. increase. CAR-T therapies is exploding. Right. Uh, and we're seeing a huge portfolio of, of CAR-T therapies being developed by, by the industry. So it really, you know, it's really fascinating, really quick as well. I mean, that has happened in the last couple of years and has really surprised me. But at the end of the day, you know, they are called miracle cures and, and people are, are being cured. And we have uh, a number of them which have been approved by, by NICE, which are now available in the NHS. Great. And fair to say the RPS is definitely making sure that pharmacists are at the cutting edge of this process, making sure they're involved in those teams that are, are starting. Absolutely. To so, for example, we touch in different places. I mean, pharmacists are involved in CAR-T therapy delivery. Uh, we've got people like Anne Black in Newcastle playing a pivotal role. And we've created what we call pan-working groups to make sure we have all the standards in place. In fact, the harvesting white blood cells and the re-engineering those white blood cells is classed as a manufacturing operation. Mm-hmm. And would you believe qualified persons who tend to be pharmacists are being involved to release those batches? And so one of my roles as chief scientist and working with the RPS is trying to make sure that all pharmacists are up to speed, have the right support you know, from the RPS to make sure we deliver quality service. That just sound incredibly exciting to someone who hasn't been in practice for some time, but I think you know that kind of change in, in treatment and as you described, you know, a curative treatment for, for a child sounds amazing. Um, oh, it is, it is amazing. And bearing in mind, you know, it, you know, these these individuals have no hope. The procedure is complicated and serious, so you know, you know, the, the child could die from the procedure. So it's nothing we don't do lightly, but you know, the outcomes are being really, really, really great. Okay, let, let's take a little change in tack to talk about. So one of the things I know you do a lot is to support early career researchers and making sure they've got the skills to be able to develop their research careers. And we're doing something rather special this year, aren't we, at the RPS conference mm-hmm. to make sure that those people do get the support and the acknowledgement that they need to perhaps take those first few steps on the, the research career. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how we're supporting early career researchers? Well, I mean, this is obviously the RPS conference, which is on the 17th of November of this year, which is a Sunday. But it's a great opportunity. I mean, when I was an early career researcher, what helped me was networking, seeing people present their work, talking to people who are presenting their work, and just talking to different academics, just to get that creativity. And so this conference, uh, the theme is on medicine safety, which is a very broad theme and can cover all kinds of uh, aspects of medicine safety. This year, we've taken the decision that if you were to publish a piece of your work at the conference, we would allow you to publish it elsewhere. So, you know, it gives you an opportunity to maybe publish a piece of work that you've done, get some feedback on it, and you can refine it, and then you can maybe publish it elsewhere. But I think for me, there's a great lineup. We've got some great panelists. So we have a panel at the very end of the conference. We have Sir Michael Rawlins, who's the chairman of NHRA, who's going to be there. We have Rosemary Parr, who's the chief pharmacist for Scotland. She's going to be there. We have Professor Phil Routledge, who's a world's expert in medicine safety. He'll be there, amongst others. And, and the whole point of the forum is to allow people to talk to each other. Yeah. And if you're in a careers researcher, 
The only way you're going to learn is by talking to different people mm-hmm. and gain, gain their views. So if someone wants to submit one of those, an early career researcher wants to submit an abstract to the conference, what's the deadline? The deadline is the 20th of September. So go online, the portal is open, register intent and put an abstract in and it's the 20th of September, it's deadline. Great. Okay. Well, we've got more podcasts coming up, Gina. Mm-hmm. We've got some interesting topics to talk about. Uh, next time, we're going to be talking about digital and diagnostics. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, clearly, you know, the advent of the mobile phone uh, and also uh, with uh, digital the way it is, an, an awful lot of diagnostics can happen in the pharmacy. So we'll touch upon a couple of innovations that I think would be of interest to, to pharmacists. Uh, so that's something that I, I'd like to share particularly area of diabetes, which is a subject close to my heart. Mm. Uh, but also I would like to talk to another podcast, some topical issues like, like drug abuse, illicit mm. drugs. One thing about being chief scientist is I need to not only talk about latest innovations in medicine, but also some of the topical issues mm. you know, about cannabis, CBD mm. oil, you know, novel psychotic substances. You know, these are the things that literally are very, are almost epidemically being used in the UK right now. And that can't be a good thing. So mm. having a topical conversation. What I hope to do is to bring along um, experts from my science research board, such as, you know, uh, Professor Christy Barnes, such as Dr. Mira Gerges, so we can actually have those conversations about you know, what are the topical issues and how can we, as pharmacists, tackle them together as a team. Great. So digital and diagnostics coming up next, then misuse of drugs, the podcast after, and then yes. we've got pharmacogenomics as well. As, yes, and yeah. pharmacogenomics, which is, again, not a genetic diagnostic testing that actually mm. right now is helping pharmacists in, in many clinical settings to make sure the patients get the right dose, in fact, if they're not the right drug, uh, at the right level to reduce adverse events and also to improve efficacy. Thank you very much, Gina. That's been great. Uh, great update for me and I hope for our listeners as well. And join us again on the RPS podcast coming up soon. Thank you, Neil.